0: Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of a Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success, or you're already smashing it but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. Just real, raw and frank conversations. My curiosity and impatience in seeking success has encouraged me to create a Half Dozen Things podcast. I designed it to bring you simplicity and discovery back to the forefront of your lives. We are all such busy people, it's easy to overlook the simple things we could be doing to achieve wealth, success and happiness. Hi, welcome to A Half Dozen Things. I'm really pleased to have Michelle Wilson-Stimson join me today. She's a creative entrepreneur who is the founder and managing director of two limited companies, ePowerPlan and BossBird. ePowerPlan provides financial services, admin, legal, power planning, compliance support and coaching to the financial advice industry. Bossbird is a stationary business specialising in desk planners, inspirational to-do lists, daily and weekly diary planners, which are designed to help business women or working mums plan and control their lives whilst ensuring well-being and good health. Michelle's career is split between a creative nature, including professional photography and graphic design, to that in the financial sector, being a stockbroker and financial advisor. Although these are the two domineering industries she knows works. She also worked in hospitality and running public houses with an ex-partner, set up and run a modelling agency whilst also modelling herself, something she dabbles in now and then and has worked in purchasing control and banking. Michelle was absolutely brilliant to interview and I really, really enjoyed it. So please do listen in and I hope you enjoy it. Everyone, really excited to have Michelle from ePowerPlan join me today hi Michelle how are you
1: hi I'm good thanks
0: awesome I'm really pleased to have you join us today on a half dozen things podcast uh, the listeners have just heard all about you and all the cool stuff that you do so uh, really pleased to have you here and listen to your half dozen things so just to have a quick cap through those for what people can expect they include being present uh, working from the top down in your business knowing your numbers knowing your customer being honest and being creative too so i'm really excited to explore those with you in a bit more depth to start with should we talk a bit more about being present and what you mean by that michelle
1: yeah sure um when i say about be present a, in, a number of people can work on their businesses and may not be thinking about the, the here and now and also in the you know in your day to day making sure that you're present in the business you're you are focusing on today rather than always putting today aside and waiting for tomorrow to come or thinking what I'm going to do this tomorrow I've got to do that next week that sort of thing it's actually getting into today so I the way I do that is by plotting my week and I have focus days and I have uh, work what I call work days and task days and then I have planning days so when I'm in a focus day I am present in that focus day. I am completely and utterly focusing on the stuff that's, what I would class as things I need to focus on. And when I'm in planning, I've completely and utterly focused on my planning. So I'm planning for a week ahead, a month ahead, a year ahead, five years ahead, that sort of thing. And coming up with new ideas and stuff like that. But um, it's, it's very much about actually working on the day that you're in. And that doesn't mean, no, you never plan and you never do things. Because if you're in a planning day, then that's all you're doing. You're focusing on what you're going to be planning and for the future. But it's being present in that day. Don't let distractions get in the way of changing what you're meant to be doing on that day. Um, and I read a book once um, and it talks about eating the frog. And, um, you know, you have a task list and make sure that you are present in that task list and you're getting through it and you eat, you're eating the frog is doing the, the thing that you really don't want to do first. So it's out of the way, so actually you can focus on everything else. That's that's the kind of where I'm getting that with that.
0: Yeah, brilliant. I love that book, uh, Eat That Frog. I've literally, I've just got two, two new members of staff starting uh, in a few weeks, and I've just bought my administrator. She's coming in, and I've bought her eat that frog uh, to help her and it's something that I live by as well so the, just this morning I got up early I really didn't want to do there were some administrative tasks I really didn't want to do this morning at all if if I hadn't have made sure that I did them first they'd have just got pushed back and pushed back and pushed back exactly really, really, the really next day
1: and the next day and the next day
0: yeah yeah definitely so just to explore your your planning a little bit more and, and how you plan so do you plan uh, like a year in advance or sort of every three months or do you, do you sort of have staggered plans sort of all, all going on at once?
1: Um, the way I kind of do things is I have on a um, Friday afternoon and, well, it's probably from sort of Friday mid-morning, I plan the following week. Um, so um, that's looking at shorter term. So my week, what I've got to do for my week, and I use a desk planner and I have everything, fill out my calendar and everything. So it's all ready for the next week and in terms of what I do for long-term planning is I flag in my diary so once a quarter at the start of the quarter I prepare a whole quarters kind of plans and anything that I want to create or any ideas any brainstorming we've done the previous quarter that we want to work on this quarter and then at the end of each quarter I focus a little bit further and I kind of do myself a little six-month plan and just I've got like a tracker thing that I use and I just add some bits and pieces in there that I may have picked up and working on in that quarter so it kind of within about a week I'm doing pre quarter planning and taking the past quarter and taking that forward so I, I plan for a quarter but also plan for not plan for such but develop a six months uh, plan going forward as well so it's I kind of do it vigil religiously every every quarter as I say on a weekly basis it, it's it's doing the weeks the following week and majority of time I I focus each month I focus on it on a weekly basis but quarterly I do quarterly obviously I said and um at the end of the year so it's actually I say the end of the year the probably the start of January is when I then focus on like planning for the whole year um Mm -hmm. and our financial year runs from April to April so I spend uh, the first kind of quarter working on what we're going to do for the whole year coming in terms of I look at the financials and things and I wait until April to, to finalise those because I need to see my final figures in terms of my numbers. Um, so I do start the process at the start of the year and it, it normally that that longer process is finished at the end of the first quarter. And I say that's planning for a full year. And that could be cash flow planning, looking where I'm going to get my next client from, um, planning how much money we've got in um, coming in in income against staff and looking at capacity and maybe we need more staff do we need less staff you know that sort of thing and trying to consolidate some bits and pieces and then at the in the financial year comes that's April I then finalize my year plan and then I will work on based on the figures that I've been given in April I then work on my five-year plan in terms of my monetary side of things so I look at okay this is what we did this year what can we do next year let's set some targets for next year. And then I do a stretch on that. And then I do an estimate for the following five years on where I would like the business to be in terms of its growth and the income that we're taking and the amount of clients. And I just leave that ready for the following year to work on again and just stretch it out again. So it's, I'm constantly doing a cycle of short term to long term. And it takes me a full year to work on that, those plans.
0: Wow, that is really, really in depth as well then. So there's no flying by the seat of your pants when, you, when you're when you planning at all. Do you, do you no. enjoy the process of planning? Is that something yes. you enjoy a, or you learned to
1: enjoy? I'm a planner, yeah. Okay. And um, um, I, my husband i will tell you, he threw me with my sister and my best friend a 40th birthday, surprise birthday for me. I hate surprises because I'm a planner. Now, if I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow and I don't know what I'm doing next week and I don't know what I'm doing next month, I start freaking out. So, of course, they were saying to me, don't worry about it. We've got it covered. I was like, but what? What have you got covered? I need to know. I need to plan for it. I don't know what to wear. I don't know where I'm going. You know, I don't know what shoes to wear. It's a plan. And so it's it's not just in my business. It's across everything. And if you ask a number of my friends, you know, I'm not – I have done things for on the moment, but I'm a bit of a – you know, I need, to, I need to know what's happening I'm one of those people, sadly. <laughs>
0: yeah, from from a fellow planner, fist bump, okay? Because I'm much the same. <laughs> I, uh, I I hate surprises too. Uh, I love planning. I my one of my favourite tasks is doing a ninety day plan because I find it I find it exciting and I find it to be able to put down the plans I have, which are essentially ideas initially until you start planning them. There's no way that they're ever actually going to come to fruition without, without plan. You know, it's it's so, so important and actually having a five year plan and a one year plan. Sorry.
1: That's okay. I was going to say, I do it um, in my personal life as well. Like I have a spreadsheet and um, outside of business, I have a spreadsheet and I plot when I want to do things with the kids over the this year, next year and the third year. Same with my husband and my family, Um, you know, and my family will say to me, Jesus Christ, you've actually planned what you're doing for your holidays in three years time. And I say, yes. And that's what I would like to do. That's my plan. It might not happen and I might have to change it. And I'm fully aware of that. God coronavirus has made us realize that we have to change our plans like that. Um, But, and I'm, and, and I do do that, but I, I have a personal one as well and that's all in a spreadsheet and, it's just what I do and then you know it's in red so I've got my little grid out and it's all in red everything I write in is in red text and as soon as I've done it I make it black and I keep it and I just hide it and scroll it down a year so I can go back and see what I didn't do that year that I wanted to do so I can forward plan it to another year or maybe I don't even want to do that anymore because I want to do this so yeah nice year.
0: That's fascinating. No, that's fascinating. I get um I get a little bit of fun poked at me about about how I plan stuff. So I've got like I a know. so financially I will do like a personal budget and I'll do uh like monthly. So I could go back I could go back like three or four years and tell you how much money we spent in a month on something. Because uh-huh. I, I just plan it all the way through. Some people say I'm maybe like a little bit I have a struggle with control, so I like to be in control of stuff. But at the same time, I think it's difficult because I can't think clearly if I'm not. At the moment, I'm going through quite a bit of flux in my business where we're we're over lockdown. I've been re-planning and re-strategizing. Quite a lot has gone out the window, and I'm re-planning. Mm-hmm. And actually, it makes me feel it makes me feel a little bit out of control if I've not got the plan clear enough. Yeah. And I find that I find that really. I find a struggle being productive if I've not planned enough.
1: Yeah, I get that. I, I totally get that. Mm.
0: Wow. Kindred spirits here. Right. Cool. <laughs> so you hit it. and then, and then being present. So one of the challenges I have, and I, and I suppose this is probably a bit cathartic actually speaking about it because I've not spoken so much in depth about the amount I plan. However, I really struggle to be present. That's something I actually struggle with because I forward plan so much, you know, even down to like the weekend, for example, I'll be like to my wife, what are we doing this weekend? And she's like, why well, have you got to plan everything? And I'm like, well, i quite like to know where we're going and what time so that I can make sure that I'm productive or, or what have you, where I need, where I need to be. Um, and actually I do struggle to be present because I'm always thinking about what's coming next. Do you, Do you have challenges like that?
1: I do, which is why one of my mottos is to be present, because if I don't focus on making sure I'm present, then I am too busy looking forward um, and trying to focus on what, what's coming rather than what I should be doing. Um, and that comes down to procrastination. And I, in the past, I was a massive procrastinator. I would literally make a list of things and just things would just be pushed on and on and on and on. And then I started the, the frog and stopped procrastinating as much on certain tasks that I really didn't want to do that I had to do and just just got undone them and then it made me realize that actually I still procrastinate and I still need to focus on today I, you know stop looking at tomorrow and thinking how I'm going to do what I'm going to do tomorrow or, or next week because today needs my focus at the end of my day yes okay let's have a look at tomorrow let's have a look at the diary for tomorrow but let's focus on today and making sure the time I've got today is on today because otherwise, you're not really, if you've planned to do something on, I think there's that word again, plan. If you plan to do something on a Monday morning, and you're too busy thinking about Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon, then you're not fully in that task that you should have been working on on Monday morning. So that's why, I, and, and I'm, I am still guilty of it a little bit, but I have tried, really tried to drill down and be present on each part of the day that I'm working on.
0: Uh, fantastic. That's, um, I, I know I've digressed a little bit from your point, which was being present, but you you enable yourself to be present through the planning that you do. Um, yeah. I always find I have this challenge, and I've recently started planning for the week. Similar to you do, I'll, I'll, I'll plan the week ahead, um, and that's something quite new for me. I used to have a to-do list, and then I'd just work my way through the to-do list, but I had a similar challenge, which probably shows sort of the journey I'm on, on my development, but I had this challenge where I'd push the hard stuff down. So if yeah. I if I do the hard stuff and, and make sure it's planned out when I'm gonna do it, I find I work best in the mornings early. So I'll I'll put the tough stuff at the beginning of the day yeah. and then and then the rest of the days relaxed. But I have this little weird tendency where I'll get the day's stuff done and I feel like I'm not quite ready to switch off, so I'll start on tomorrow's. I don't know if you yeah. find that too. Is that I'm <laughs> yeah, smiling, that, so that yeah. resonates, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Wow. Uh, yeah, so hopefully the listeners will maybe res- resonate with that as well. But cool. So we'll move on to the next area, which is working from the top down, uh, developing an organisation from the CEO and work down to complete an organisational chart. There's quite a bit of detail involved in this point. Are you are you able to just elaborate a bit more on that, please, Michelle? Yeah,
1: sure. Um, I think when you, if you go back to the beginning, you think about when you're an entrepreneur and you set up your own business. Let's say you know you know you might be a baker and everyone says in you know you're working for somebody else and everyone says to you god you know you make you make great cakes you you'd be a great you know you should set up your own business doing cakes and it makes you think oh, i should set up my own business doing cakes and you're on your own and you start baking for people and then you you know you've got all these orders coming in it's great and then you have to work longer hours because you're getting more orders and that's great and then you know, money's coming in it's brilliant but actually you're starting to drive yourself into a hole because. It's just you, you're the baker, you're the financer, you're the person that does the accounts, you're the person that does that opens the door if it's a little shop, you know, you're the person that does yeah. everything. And I think what I'm talking about there is if you are only focusing on what you're doing at the moment and what your little business needs today, i.e. I need to bake cakes and, and I need to make some money, it's very much a lifestyle business. But in doing that, all you're doing is taking yourself out for working for somebody else and giving yourself a job for yourself. So yep. you're now doing the job of a baker. The idea of having a business is not because you want to work for yourself. It's because you don't want to work so much. The idea is have a business, grow a business, so you don't have to work. So you don't have to get up in the morning and and, and see to mundane tasks. You don't have to open the door. You don't have to sweep the floor. You don't have to... Do you know, cash the money at the end of the day. You don't have to bake the cakes because actually, you're just going to wear yourself out. You know, if you one person doing that, or you might in, you might take on a couple of other little people, but then you've got the stress of managing those people as well. So if you're only focusing on the start of the business and growing it out like that, you don't focus on the positions that you might need later on, and you don't focus on where you might need to take somebody on to do certain jobs. So my um, motto is. Rather than if you're if you're a baker and you are thinking oh I want to set up my own business don't set up a business giving yourself another job just working for yourself set yourself up a business thinking right I'm the CEO and now let me think about Sally who's going to be my baker down at the, you know in the bottom part of the of the organizational chart so there's my bakers there's my my people working in accounts there's my um, operational staff this is my business development and you create yourself an organizational chart for a massive bakery, you know, Greg's, I'm talking a big company, and you create this company, and it may be that you're the CEO, you're also the MD, you're also the operational director or whatever you want to call it, and any, any of those positions, you will be fulfilling those positions to start off with before you've grown enough to be able to take on new people and stuff. But if you have a plan and you know where your business looks like, you know at what stages you need to take somebody else on to fulfil each of those roles as they go up the ladder. And as you bring in people in the bottom to fulfil those roles, because you can now afford to bring on those people, it knocks you up a bit. So even though you are the CEO and you are the MD and you are all those roles, it takes away those tasks from those roles as you take on the progressive ladder, if you like, up until where you are at the top CEO. And then all you're doing is making decisions, planning strategy and developing your business, not baking the cakes anymore. So you've you're increasing yourself in terms of your personal abilities, your personal development, your well-being, your mindset, you're growing as a person. You know, just giving yourself a job in your own business is not the way forward and will just tear you down.
0: I find that absolutely fascinating because I've I've never heard someone explain it that way before. But that's absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. You start start with the bigger organisation, and actually, even if your name is in every single one of those different roles, um, yeah. at least that gives you it gives you the plan to work through as you start to recruit people. That's one that's of the bad. biggest. That's one of the biggest challenges I've, I've faced is knowing what role I need first. What do I need? Yeah. Do I need an administrator? Do I need a marketer? Do I need a salesperson? It's Very very hard to know at that stage
1: yeah, its difficult, and it's is, it is difficult because you have to kind of forward think about where the business is going to be, but what you've got to think of is okay, let's say I am the, I'm this huge business, what actual roles are in business? okay, well, there's a marketing role in business, there's a sales role in business, there's an operational role in business, and you can, um, you can create your organizational chart from roles that you know are needed to run a large organization. And then you can drop them down. So you've got you know, your finance director, your finance manager, your finance assistant, and it might be you've got six finance assistants underneath a manager. You know, so you're creating an organisational chart. And as I say, it may be that all, all those roles are filled for just you and just yeah. you are doing it at the moment, but you, at least you know where you need to fulfil in order to push yourself up. Because what you don't want to do is be the baker and then employ an MD because you are just giving yourself a job in your own business. at the end of the day no one wants to work really do we just want to go out and play golf and go on holiday and stuff so you don't don't want to be giving yourself another job and actually working for somebody else can probably be easier and there's no hardship on you no worries you do your job you go home but you set up your own business it's it's different and people don't realize that they don't realize the stress and strains of it the same goes if you're a partnership If you're setting up a partnership with somebody, don't set up a partnership and just assume that person knows what that person's doing because nine times out of 10, this person's idea is completely different to this person's. And even though when you're talking, it sounds the same, you don't know what's going on in everyone's minds. So again, do the same process. If you're a partnership, three of you, four of you, five of you, it doesn't doesn't matter how many people sit down, plan the organization as if it is a huge business and then say, right, I'm good at marketing. I'll do that role. I'm good at finance. I'll do that role. So you know, you've got you've got your organisation. You've got your your um, your roles. You've got your you know tasks. You've got to do off those roles, and you can focus each person in the business on those tasks. But that's where partnerships go wrong because people assume that you automatically know what the other person wants to do. Like if yeah. you're a partnership, and one of you wants to. I don't know, wants to make 6 million in the first year and the other one just wants a little lifestyle business to give them an extra 500 quid a week, that's a complete different clash. And actually, you need to plan that in the, into the business and into the organisational chart and into the roles so, you, so everybody understands where they are. And that um, prevents confusion, it prevents rows, it, can, it prevents breakdowns. You know, so many partnerships break down because and you know they start as friends and they end up falling out because they haven't done that fundamental exercise of working out what that business is going to look like not now but in 10 years time in 20 years time who's going to be doing this you know it's no good if you're setting up a design business and both of you love doing graphic design but you, each of you hate doing finance and things and then you've got Dave there and he's, he's saying well actually Sally's good at that's sort of like finance. She can do that, and Sally's over there going, "I'm going to do design. I don't want to do finance." And they don't, they don't, they don't express it. But if you do an organisation chart, and then you're sitting down, and you go right. We've got finance, marketing, blah 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 blah. And they say, "Oh, Sally, do you want to do finance?" No, I bloody don't want to do finance. Thank you very much. So then they know at the start that's going to that's not a thing for Sally to do. Sally wants to do design like me. So you know, then you you can plan them around and work around it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Now I find that I find that absolutely fascinating outlook of how to do it. And even, even I suppose is you can take that to who are our subcontractors. So, and then the subcontractors or suppliers can almost fit those roles. So, for example, you can't you can't afford the financial director, so you have your accountant do that role. For example, initially, until you grow to the point where you have yeah. someone in house. Fantastic. Or
1: you outsource it if you only need a finance director for an hour a month. Outsource it. If yeah. you need a HR professional for three hours a week, outsource it yeah. until you're big enough to take someone on. If that's what you want to do, outsource those, those particular yeah. parts of the job. Absolutely. And again, and that's another thing that business people go into business believing that they can do everything or they don't realize what they need to do to fulfill the needs of a business and to run and, and run the operations of a business. They end up wearing themselves out because they have they don't have that idea of all those all those different tasks and what a business requires. A business is an entity; it's not a lifestyle, and yeah. that's the difference.
0: Hundred percent, yeah. People find themselves quite attached to personally, don't they? To to, yeah. to the business, and like you say, it is you have to have that detachment of of it being an entity. And just just sort of my final question on this area, then: How far through? Your original organisation chart for your business now. How how far through that are you working now? Are you nearly at we, that point, or are you?
1: Yeah, we're still working through it. No, I had a vision and I had a plan, and we're 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 on a, we're on track. We're, we've got. I always wanted to have separate departments and everything in because I work in financial services of one of my businesses, and it's very niche. So there's like administration side, and there's power planning side, and there's a compliance side. We are kind of. We're on route to and on track to fulfill all the different roles. We've already got certain people doing the certain roles, and then there's other people doing two or three roles. You know, they've got like a job that's been combined. So, as soon as we've got enough income and we can stretch that out, those that person that's doing two or three roles will be stretched out and they'll, they'll carry on with one, and we'll take two more people on to do the other parts of the job. So it, that it's, it's growing it organically, but it's, it's having that plan and understanding what your organisation wants to look like. And let's be fair, what, what's the purpose of a business? The purpose of a business is to give you income and to potentially give you a lump sum when you sell it. So you either want a, an income for life or you want to make a lot of money and sell it. So if you've got that view in mind that I don't want to work, I want an income for life or I want to sell it on, I want to make this massive thing and I want to sell it and make millions, that's that's the the end goal that you should be thinking. If you want to be a baker or use a baker again, and you just want a lifestyle business, you just want to bake cakes and you want to make £500 a month, that's not a business. That's a hobby.
0: I don't want to be a baker. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. So to enable us to do that, number three, area number three, we need to know our numbers. So uh, talk to me a bit more about that.
1: Um, I put know your numbers down because I think a lot of people don't, Forward plan what the business is going to need in the next week, quarter, next year, that sort of thing. And, and I also think that a lot of people don't plan their targets and their what income they want to receive. They are just, you know, they're happy just making money in the today and the now. But I think if you know your numbers, you know what you want to achieve. Um, you know where you want to go. You can break it down by uh, product. So if you sell a product, you can break it down by client. If it's clients that you know you sure a services industry. And you can, if you know where you want to be, you can break it down, and then you can really dig deep and you can find out how you're going to develop these bits. So let's say, for example, I'm trying to think of an example. Hmm, let's say I, I've got another business selling planners, for example. <laughs> Fuck enough. Yes, I've, I've got another got... business selling planners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I know I want to sell X amount of planners at the end of this year. I want to sell twice that at the end of next year and so on. And, I, and based on that, I know this kind of income that the business is going to grow to in two, five, ten years' time because I've multiplied it up and I've worked out those kind of numbers. So that's what I mean. When I say numbers, it's not just about income. It's also about how many of the, your products do you want to make? How many of your product do you want to be in the market? Where do you, you, know, where do you want that to be? How do you want that to look? And if you know, let's say the other way, you go the other way around and you say, well, actually, in a year's time, I want to make a million pound in this business. You can then break that down over 12 months into products. My product costs $12.99 um, for this, $14.99 for that. So I want to sell 10 planners every day that's at $12.99 and I want to sell six journals at $14.99. And I want to do that on a consistent basis every week because then that hit my goal of that million my numbers are probably not right by the way I'm just plucking figures out of the air of course course. so so you know what how many you need to sell in order to reach that end goal and I think if you don't know that then you're you're just going in a bit blind and I have you know I, I have done that in the past and I think that's why it's important to me now because I haven't focused on my numbers in the past and I've got it wrong and now I'm very focused on working out what I need, working out where I need to be, and then I can develop my business based on on what I've got and where I need to be and what I want to be and where I want to be. And, you know, I make sure that I check my bank bank accounts every morning, making sure that payments have been made, the income that was due in is coming in, and just to make sure that everything's ticking along nicely. So that's different in terms of knowing your numbers. It's more of an actual day-to-day numbers and it's your cash flow. So make sure your cash flow is there. Make sure you know where you are with your cash flow, because at the end of the day, it is cash flow that crucifies us in the first three years. If you don't have cash flow, then you can't afford the things that you're going to need. You can't pay your creditors, you know, or, or what have you. And it, it becomes a big problem.
0: Yeah. I, I, I can speak clearly on this because I'll, I've had that exact same problem and, and that same challenge. And now i it almost caused so much fear in me that I never want to go back there again. That that I I plan so frequently. Interestingly this morning I just this morning I met with my accountant and we were going through our cash flow forecast for the for the next year because I've just added headcount and I wanted to know exactly how many first aid courses, how many mental health courses, how many consultation or consultative clients I needed to be able to ensure that we've turned over enough money to pay our tax liability, our national insurance, um, all, all our overheads to ensure that I've still delivered profit at the bottom as well. And yeah. that it can be quite a challenging and complex thing to work out, especially when you've got cost of sale as well. And um, I I'd, I'd certainly recommend someone initially, I suppose once you have the models in place for the business... Mm. then then it, it it's sort of a forward planning exercise, and you the numbers just grow and get bigger, don't they over time yeah but I think initially when you're in in your infancy it can be a bit of a challenge certainly October last year i had a I had a real challenge where i I'd, I I'd, I'd started with a bit with some capital we didn't start the business with lots of capital at all but we, we'd started with some capital and I'd invested in marketing and all the things that you need to invest in to get the business off the ground. I'd actually got you know, we, I'd got people that owed me owed me money, and and it was due in, and we'd have been fine if that was landing, but it wasn't landing yet. Yeah. And I had that moment where, oh my god, I'm not even going to be able to pay the mortgage this month. Like I've got thousands due, but it's just not there. And um, that was a big, big wake up call for me that actually, when people say cash is king, I kind of until I felt that pain of running out of cash, um, yeah. I didn't really realize what that meant. It was just. A cliche that people said cash is king and you know without cash um there, there is no business and, and actually when you feel that pain of there being no cash in the account and going, What it what's- hurts. Yeah, <laughs> it's,
1: it's so painful. When you can't you- pay your wages, not your wages, but your staff wages, you're exactly. like, oh.
0: exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and that's exactly that. And and it was that pain which has driven me to sit with the accountant today. New new team members are starting. I know that I've got cash in the business now. That that you know, there's no sort of challenge there now. But I know that in six months' time, if I don't plan now. And I don't get those targets in place and make sure that we're hitting those sales targets and know exactly what's going to be going out. I'm going to be in a real spot of bother because I'm going to have that problem where I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay them. So we need to make sure the business grows along with it and make sure that the the income is there and that the sales targets are there. Because there's no point having a sales target that isn't enough.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Um, thank you so much for that. So, uh moving on to our fourth area. So, we know we know our numbers. uh We've we've sort of sorted out the organisational chart. So, the next thing, which is a natural step for me as well, completely understand why you've put this forth, and that's about knowing your customer.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, knowing knowing your customer and knowing your client. So, this is a big one in terms of knowing your. If you, you could, some people call them client avatars. um Some people just say just know you can know who your client are or who who they are. Um, so it's it's about understanding who they are what what's the demographics of your client who are you, who are you actually aiming your business out because you can't aim at everything at everybody and this has been a bit of a flaw of mine in the past particularly with a planning company I'm like well everyone needs a desk planner everyone needs a to-do list everyone needs a journal but actually not everyone wants mine because mine are really girly and they're you know they've got like a boho style and they've got trees on and moons on and Men don't want those. So I'm so, I'm so disappointed.
0: Plan. I'm so <laughs> disappointed because I was going to ask you about your planners. <laughs>
1: Well, I have, because of that, I have decided to start making bespoke ones now, which we do now, okay. we do make bespoke ones. And lots of men have been ordering them bespoke because they can create their own, their own colours, their own business logos, that kind of thing. Um, and they work quite well, and we've taken all the graphics off. <laughs> all the pretty little flowers and things like that. Yeah, they've all been taken off. But it just goes back to knowing your customer. You need to know who you're selling to. You need to know who your person is that you've got. you're speaking to at the end of the phone. You need to have an understanding of who they are, what they want, what's their needs, and what's their end goal. You know, part of my um, my one of my financial service businesses. When we first talk to a client, when they come to us and they ask us for information, we say, right, well, we need to do a meeting because we want to understand everything about you. We want to know what your goals are, what your business needs are, what your plans are for the business, and you know, it's surprising that it throws so many of them. They're like, oh, I haven't really thought about that. And you think, wow, how could you not have thought about that? You know, you've got a business. But a lot of these people, you know, we deal with financial advisors and a lot of them have just lifestyle businesses. They're advising people. They may have a few people in the office as their administrators and and things, but they are very much running lifestyle businesses and and they don't know themselves where they want their business to be in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. So, yeah, so it's driving back to knowing the customer inside and out, knowing what their goals are and understanding what they need of you. And again, that's another reason why when we, we've got the whole planner side of things for my boss bird business, they they were all aimed at girls and I was trying to aim it at everybody and it wasn't working. And now we've focused it, streamlined it, focused it onto a certain demographic, a certain client. And now it's, you know, it's, it's flying, it's much better. But we have noticed that because of that, and because of our demographic, and because people are seeing it, other people are seeing products and saying, "Oh, I would really like that." Shame we don't do a guy's one, you know, that sort of thing. So it's made us go, "Hmm, okay, we'll, you know, we'll work on a guy's one now, and we'll we'll create bespoke ones for businesses, and um, we, we'll go from there." So it helps you. Not only does it help you with your current goal and mindset, but it also helps you think of long-term plans and who, what other demographics and other clients specifics if you like might you might want to aim to in the future
0: yeah fantastic yeah it's been it's been a real challenge for me in in our business when when we started out we were really heavily focused niche like like you would said with your, your financial advisors we were, we were really niche with um our transport related work that we were doing consultation and training and what have you and then when we added first aid and mental health training i didn't really know who that was for initially and who the right customer would be and we had a bit of a red herring because we took on a large a large restaurant chain as part of the, the first aid training for example which has been fantastic and they're still with us and we deliver a fantastic service to them as part of that training but all of a sudden i then started to digress and go well actually maybe restaurants are our customers mm. so if i went and in reality that, that customer works really well because there's a great personal relationship. But actually, our our service offering is for the transport sector. It is for yeah. it is for heavy goods vehicles. It, it just so happens and it just so happens that that customer works really really well with them. Um, and and I think that that can be a bit of a red herring I suppose is that I suppose that's the right word for that um so you go off and and, and start trying to cater to to everyone but there, there, there's a big challenge when you offer a broad range of services to try and cater for people and actually it's so much better to really try and narrow focus down on, um, who you're speaking yeah. to yeah yeah
1: and once you, you know and that doesn't mean you don't ever focus on another it means once you focused on one and you've sorted one out and you've and you know where that's going, and you've got that goal. You know you've got your end goals, you've got your targets. You know what you're doing for that one. Well, there's no reason why you can't then move on to a different demographic and, and understand some an, another type of client. You know, for the future plans, that's that's um, diversification at the end of the day, isn't yeah. it? In business, which is a must
0: yeah absolutely it was interesting actually it was a financial advisor um a a friend of mine that i spoke to and he asked where my clients were based and i'm based in peterborough but a lot of my clients were up in lincolnshire um and sort of north up the a1 and he said to me that actually in in a lot of businesses you could put a pinpoint in where you are and a two mile radius and he reckoned there were enough people in that in that area just around you to to be able to service your product to I suppose it depends on what product you have, but for a financial advisor, then then maybe right. Especially if yeah. they're somewhere affluent, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> a two-mile radius is probably plenty of people.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> so yeah, uh, brilliant. That's uh, that's really great. And actually, moving on to the next one, which I find is really really resonates with me. The fifth area, which is being honest. This one really resonates. I can't wait to hear to hear what you uh, what you say with this one.
1: When I mean being honest, like when we're talking to clients, I, I think when someone isn't honest, you can sense it. I think you can sense when someone's not honest. You can tell, We, you know, we've got a basic human instinct to understand body language, and we know when someone isn't being honest. They do a number of things, be it look a certain way, blink too many times, lick their lips, you know, just sit around and they see people when they are lying or not being honest, it shows, and I think if you're talking to a client and you're not being honest with them, they can pick up on it and you will lose relationships over it. Not maybe not today, maybe not next week, but there'll be something in the back of that client's mind thinking, I just don't trust them. I just don't it's just not a hundred percent trust there but like with my clients, particularly in for the financial service business, they're running their own businesses, so we're servicing businesses. If I see them not doing, or if I see them doing something that I think could be done better, then I will let them know. So it's about being honest and coming forward with things, rather than saying, "Oh, they really should be doing it this way," to the rest of the team or to somebody else in the business. It's saying, you know, let's do it. Why have we not thought about doing it this way? Let's look at doing it this way because this is the way that X, Y, and Z are doing it. You know, they're doing it this way, and it actually makes much more. Um, it's much more efficient to do it this way and and just being honest in that terms. But I also think that being honest comes down to you know we have quarterly meetings with our um, advisor clients, and a number of times I have to tell them off. and that sounds funny, but I do have to tell them off and, I, and, and the only way to tell someone off is to be honest with them. I don't mean horrible, I mean honest. So for example, if one of my clients isn't being very compliant, I rather than just carrying on and just servicing it and just dealing in there and just dealing with it, I will be honest in a meeting and I will say, You are not compliant. What you're doing is not compliant. That is not right. So let us help you be compliant. Let us develop this process or let us work on that. And it's about sharing your knowledge in an honest and efficient way. To make sure that clients really warm to you, because if, if a client thinks that you are there for them and you're really focusing on their and their, them and their business, and you're not lying to them and you're not like hiding things from them and stuff like that, then they, you'll have a relationship for life. If I've got one client that we've had since the business started, he's an Australian guy and he's absolutely lovely. But if you do something wrong, he is a horrendous. He will come down on you like a ton of God knows what. But a number of times you hear people say, oh, let's just, not, let's just not bring up this. Let's not just not say it. And you could probably sweep certain things under the carpet. But actually, I go on the basis of something will always be found out. If you sweep it under the carpet now in a year's time, someone will find out what you've done and they'll realize. So it's a question of, do you know what, we've done this wrong. We're really sorry. We're going to fix it. We've done it wrong, but we're telling you because we're, our, our morals in our business is to be honest. And I think that's another side of the whole being honest side of things. It's, it's being honest with the client in terms of helping them in their business and helping them what, you know, what they need. But also it's about actually holding your hands up when you do something wrong and saying, I've done this wrong, but we can fix it. And we're really sorry rather than just hiding things. And I think if you're a member of staff in a business, and I think a number of times you think, oh God, I can't, I can't possibly uh, let someone know that I've done this wrong because I'll just leave it. I'll just leave it. And then one, one day I'll leave and they won't even realize. And then of course that person leaves. So they go to grow or go on somewhere else, which which employees inevitably do. Um, and then you start working out that there are all these things that they've done that are wrong, that they've buried and they and they hid from you. And rather than thinking, "Oh, what a great person they've gone on to you know they've gone on to grow their development or anything, you start to think, "What a pain in the butt. I've got to undo all this damage now. Why didn't they tell me Because if they'd told me and or they were honest with me, then I would have been able to work it out and it wouldn't be causing the problem it is now. And then it makes you think, well, I don't want to give them a reference when they get that a reference request comes in. It, may, it starts to feel a bit personal because they've hidden things from you. So one of my, our company cultures is honesty. You know, if you can't be honest, you then you're in the wrong job for us because we we are a group of people that are honest and we don't like people hiding things from us. And we're honest with you, so we appreciate it if you're honest with us. And that is the message we give to our clients as well. You know, we're honest with you, so please be honest with us. And I've had recently a client not be very honest with me, and I've actually said to them, that wasn't very honest, and that's not part of our ethical values in our business, and you know our ethical values are honesty. And to be honest, that I hurt my feelings that you wasn't honest with me, and they were kind of like, mm, "I'm really sorry," you know. <laughs> so it makes them realise that you know the relationship is there for the two people. We're not just here just to take your money off you as a client as a business service. We want to help you. Be honest with us. We'll be honest with you.
0: Definitely, I think because you're in compliance as well, I think that's such an important part of what you do. I think uh, fantastic uh, timing, actually. We. I was having a conversation about feedback and giving an evaluation on Friday last week, and one of the things we came up with was a, about creating uh, a culture of transparency and honesty as well. And, uh, and I suppose you have you must have a great relationship with with your people and being able to give honest feedback as well as your clients as well to be able to be in that position to like no BS, just go this is how it is and lay it yeah. out. And and we were we were talking actually about how that's utopia because. When you when you go to give people feedback, they need to know that you care first. Because as soon as they know that you care, you're able to give like an honest critique or an honest yeah. opinion. Um, if if there's anything ingenuine there, then actually it, it feels like you you pick in. For example, um, well, it's going to be a challenge. So um, I think that, that that's so valid. And actually, one of one of my key clients in, in the business was a client when I used to work for someone else's it's not someone I've stolen it was a different role in my corporate job um I used to work for a vehicle manufacturer and I sold them vehicles before I went and worked in compliance to support them um in, in what I do now but actually I'd I'd got an order for a substantial amount of vehicles it was uh, eight new vehicles you know, we're talking over a million pounds with the business, and um, the prior—I'd I'd inherited the deal from a previous salesperson who had specified these vehicles, and uh, it turned out that he'd actually missed. It sounds really silly, actually, but he'd missed microwaves out of them. So the, the the drivers would go away, and they need microwaves in them to be able to cook their food in the evenings. Well a microwave to your eyes maybe 30 quid from a, a tesco but actually in a vehicle it's nearly a thousand pounds worth of work because you have to have an inverter that changes the electricity etc etc in the vehicle um and and they're quite expensive bits of kit and the, the order had been placed incorrectly please excuse the noise there's actually a truck going by <laughs> where i am so apologies for that and so nearly a thousand pounds so over the deal like nearly ten thousand pounds it was quite a big big thing that had been missed and uh as soon as i picked up that that had been the case order signed it had been quite a long drawn out process the tender process for these and um oh no what am i going to do here and i could have I could have just tried to blame it all on the previous guy, but I was like, do you know what? I've been through this with you. I've probably not spent as much detail going through this element of the internal from a from a mechanical point of view. I've spent all the effort making sure that actually this will do the job physically for you. But actually, from a comfort point of view, I've not I've not obviously had the attention to detail. And uh, I went back, and the general manager who had been through the specification. Uh, knew that he was in the hot seat a little bit as well with the MD because obviously it was his it was the two parties relaying the specification. And uh I took I took the full brunt. I got kicked all the way around the boardroom. Oh. It was very early deal. I got mega kicked and I just I didn't roll over. I didn't say, you know, it wasn't me or what have you. I just literally took both barrels. But interestingly, I've now got potential well, I hope, a client for life because
1: yeah, because they trust I you. It. They know yeah, when you're wrong, you'll stand up and say I'm wrong. Yeah. And that earns the respect. That earns people's respect. If you're yeah, willing 100%. to say I'm wrong when you're wrong, then you will gain respect for doing so.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Because mistakes happen, right? And I think yeah, definitely. When, We're when, human, when, aren't we? Yeah, when when a mistake happens, I think people often see that. And we have a bit of a problem with blame culture in the UK, for example. But actually. When something goes wrong, that's a real good opportunity to demonstrate your skills and and actually demonstrate what you're really about and say, I'm not saying you should artificially manufacture a problem um, because that's that's, uh, sort of disingenuous as well. But actually, when a, a genuine problem does occur, it does give you that opportunity to show how much you care and how willing you are to just go out of your way to make sure you put it right. Yeah. so yeah fantastic and i think certainly and it works on multiple levels doesn't it with your customer and then actually with with your with your team as well when you give people feedback and we used to in my old job we uh we used to talk about having the bad breath conversation <laughs> and it always been a bit of a challenge uh, but i suppose if you've demonstrated that you care about people and, yeah. and that you it means something to you that you can deliver that bad breath conversation i suppose yeah. <laughs> talking of which i probably ought to have some chewing gum but at least at least you can't smell me on the zoom so it's all good um so moving on to our final area obviously being honest so important and we've we've covered so many other areas about building the business up now being creative is is vitally important because that, that's essentially your solution you're able to just sort of elaborate a bit more on that please michelle
1: yeah so be creative um lots of people they work on their they don't they don't work on their business as such. They work in it. They might do a little bit of planning. They might work on it a little bit, but they're not overly creative. They just they they know what their business is, and that's where it, you know that's what they work on, and that's that's how they develop it. But what I'm saying is, when I say be creative, it's like sit down, get a bit of paper, and start to really be creative and really plan what you could do. Like I run a financial services business. It's predominantly financial services. We do administration for advisors. We do power planning. We do compliance. But in order to diversify and to grow the business, we now offer a design service. So we, all, we all, um, offer design and creativity. We've just introduced a social media function. We've got a HR function. So it's be creative in what you've got. So you again, let's go back to the baker. You may be a baker. You may be a baker of cakes. Well, be a little bit creative with it. Let's think about something else that you can do that is a, in the same kind of branding and under the the same under the same business but let's let's branch out and diversify that a little bit and diversify that a little bit and be creative in how you're going to develop your business so it's very much about having a brainstorming sessions with people and um, an open mind to new ideas and, and you know get everyone in if you've got a team of people get everyone in a room or on a zoom call as it now is and let's all brainstorm about ideas and let other people Um, other people's enthusiasm and other people's energy and other people's ideas come together and create a creation of what we could then develop in the future. You know, one of my uh, business managers just said to me, why don't we develop an executive um, assistant role? Because lots of advisors need it. Brilliant. That's great. You know, it's it's, it's talking about that creation, creation of the development of businesses by diversification and, and understanding that you've got a team of people potentially that might be you know have their own ideas and their and these these super brainstorms and things and they can come forward with those ideas and and you can create something brilliant from them. So it's about being open to creativity as well as actually planning and being creative as well.
0: Yeah, I, um, I was having a conversation with a health and safety uh, consultant the other day, and one of the things he was saying was the old the old measure of health and safety would always be how many days you had without an accident and actually he says that the really forward-thinking companies are actually the ones that are talking about how many new ideas have we come up with as an organization how how honest are we bit honesty and creativity I suppose the two things are really interlinked and um, he was saying rather than having this accident reporting culture and, and hiding things then having the creativity around making things better but what mm. what a great what a great solution to essentially we, we've all got blind spots I suppose and um, for someone to come up with a solution which will really benefit the business for example with with the ex- executive assistant like, what a great opportunity that is mm. um, I, I like to think I like to think I'm creative but I know that sometimes when I speak to other people I think why didn't I think of that because <laughs> we do we don't do we you know we don't think of everything no. having people around us is so important isn't it
1: Yeah, and that's why it's a good idea to get your team together because, you know, you might have administrators that are doing an administration role. You're not doing that administration role. I'm I'm not doing that administration role. Or you as the MD might not be doing an administration role. And they might say, do you know what? We do this particular task every single day and we do it this way. And actually, I've thought about it in in my day-to-day. And I could do it quicker by doing this, 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 and this and changing the process a little bit. Well, I wouldn't think that because I'm not doing the job day-to-day. But listening to the administrator who could change that and create a new process in order to be creative in their role and to develop their role and to to make the business more efficient. Well, that's that's always going to help, isn't it? And so it's about listening to your team and having those brainstorm sessions and having moments when you can all get together and come up with ideas and, and things like that. I just think it's really important
0: yeah definitely definitely i think it's it's massively important michelle we're nearly we're nearly at a time already and we've gone through a half dozen things which are absolutely brilliant and i've resonated with every single one of them as well in yeah, one way or another so um i really appreciate i really appreciate you giving up your time to to come and speak to me too um it's been absolutely fantastic could you are you happy to just share if people want to find out more about you can they find you on LinkedIn? How do they find out more about your planners, which sounds super cool? Yeah, as sure.
1: Well? The planners are either uh, on Instagram and Facebook and we've got a website. So the planners is, uh, the website is www.bossbird.co.uk. Um, and again, if you want a bespoke, if you're a, if you're a guy and you want a bespoke idea for your business, then we, we work How's on that that up? There's one, yeah. <laughs> um, the, and then you can contact me on LinkedIn. I'm obviously just Michelle Wilson Stimson on LinkedIn. Um but we've got Instagram for Bossbird, which is the Bossbird, and Instagram for Plan, which is a financial services business, which is just Eparaplan. Um, so we're on all social media. Um, but I'll also give you some details on how other people can contact me um, via our websites and things.
0: Brilliant! And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, everyone no for thank you, everyone for listening in. Um, really appreciate it, and we'll catch you all again next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate your time. Please do follow me at Pete Rushmer on LinkedIn or on Facebook, follow Flagship Training UK and you can find us on YouTube too at Flagship UK.